Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Tonight's message is hastening the day of the Lord. Hastening the day of the Lord. Going to the book of 2 Peter chapter number 3. Verses 10 through 13, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Mm. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Amen. Hastening the day of the Lord. We take time to teach about the coming of the Lord Bible prophecy every fall because we believe here at TLC that the fall feast of the Lord... The Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles, as spoken of in the book of Colossians, are a shadow of things to come. They represent what the Lord intends to do for the future. Jesus died on Passover, spring fall feast, and we celebrate the Passover here as a New Testament Christian. He was buried on the Feast of First Fruits, and he arose again, or excuse me, he was buried on the Day of Unleavened Bread and rose again on the Feast of first fruits, and then sent his Spirit on the day of Pentecost. It makes sense to us that on the Feast of Trumpets is the day that Christ himself is going to blow the trumpet and catch us all away before the judgment happens here upon this earth. The Day of Atonements represents the tribulation period, the judgment of God upon the world, and then the Feast of Tabernacles represents his kingdom that he is going to set up here on the earth. And so that is uh, what we believe. A lot of it is speculation. You know, a lot of it we just simply uh, do not know, but we try our best to interpret it and to teach it. And hopefully at the end of the day, amen, we're all ready, amen, for the coming of the Lord, right? Because Jesus taught, what will it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? And gaining the whole world means many things. And in context of what we have been talking about here, what would it profit somebody if they knew all of Bible prophecy but lost their own soul? What if they were to know everything about the coming of the Lord but lost their own soul? And that's the goal tonight for us to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Several weeks ago, we began by talking about greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And even though the man of sin or the Antichrist has not been manifested yet, the spirit of Antichrist is in the earth, and you and I are combating that very spirit through spiritual warfare. 
It's trying to do everything it can to prepare the world for the man of sin, the beast, the Antichrist. And that spirit is doing what it can in the world, but just the Holy Ghost in the lowliest of saints. There is no lowliest of saints, but you know what I'm talking about. Somebody who maybe is not, uh, as it were, out there for everybody to be seen, but somebody who just has their own powerful prayer life. That person has more power in them than Antichrist does in the entire earth. Praise God. That's how powerful the Holy Ghost is. Amen. That's how powerful it is. You can see that in the book of Daniel. Daniel's just a small Hebrew boy, a man carried away into captivity in a foreign land. But the God that was upon him had more power than even the king of Babylon himself, the king of Persia himself. That's why those who know their God will be strong and do exploits in the last days. Amen. Because we have the Lord Jesus Christ inside of us. Amen. And just one day who is going to destroy the empires of this world and set up his kingdom. Praise the Lord. So when you feel the pressure of the end time upon you, remember that the Lord inside of you is greater than the devil himself. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then last week we talked about all your good will pay off for all eternity. It's for those of us who feel like, is my good that I'm doing for the Lord really working for me? Is my righteousness really adding up and doing things for me? It may not seem like it here and now, but God sees everything. The eye of the Lord is everywhere looking for righteousness. And every good that you do, God keeps good records. For those of you that like to journal, God journals. He has angels that journal for him. They keep books. He's going to know everything that you did. And one day he is going to, as it were, give you glory for the good that you have done. Not God's glory, but going to give glory to you before all for all of the good things that you did to help yourself make it to heaven. And all of the good that you did to help lead others to heaven. And so I want to kind of continue on this theme in this Bible prophecy series. Is that what should we be doing before the coming of the Lord. In years past, we've talked extensively about uh, the Antichrist, talked about the system of the beast, all the things that are being set in place for this world, and and uh, that, that certainly is a part of that, but I have just felt the last few weeks to more so talk about what do we have to look forward to? What is it going to be like, and what can we do to be ready for it to happen? The Bible says here in the New Testament, The Apostle Peter, the same very Apostle who told us to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That same Apostle preaches to us today that we need to hasten the day of the Lord. To hasten the day of the Lord. The word hasten or hastening, it simply means to move quickly, to get after it fast. Not to delay, but get after it really quick. It's kind of a word that doesn't really have much meaning nowadays because since COVID, everything is slow nowadays. You know what I'm talking about. Restaurants are slow. (laughs) Getting an oil change is slow. Everything is just slow nowadays, and hopefully I'm believing it's going to pick back up in Jesus' name. But um, in context of this verse, to hasten the day of the Lord simply means for us, the church, that we eagerly wait for the Lord to return soon. To hasten the day of the Lord, it's a commandment 
that we are to eagerly wait for the day of the Lord to return soon. There's so many places throughout the Bible that have just stuck out in my mind. Part of it has to do, I grew up in Sunday school, and those little flannel graphs that the teachers would do with all the Bible characters, those have stuck out in my mind. The uh, story of Noah and the ark sticks out in my mind. I think about it a lot, meditate about it a lot, and uh, believing that, you know, I'm building something for my own family and my own life to escape the judgment of the Lord. I think about Lot in the city of Sodom. I think a lot about Joshua and the battles of Jericho. I think a lot about Old Testament stories. I think a lot about Jesus. Christmas will be here before you know it. We think a lot about his birth and the peace that it brings to our lives. I think a lot about his baptism, the power of it, that life-changing moment. I think a lot about the cross. I think a lot about those things. And hopefully you have various stories in the Bible that you think about a lot because it relates to you. You feel like that person. Maybe you're the type of person when you worship, you feel like Mary who broke her alabaster box. It was like the most expensive thing she had because nobody else showed the Lord hospitality, but you have come, amen, to anoint the Lord's feet and to worship him and to weep in his presence. Amen. Maybe you feel like I've I've been doing a lot of studying on Samson. Maybe right now you feel like you have no team. You're in a battle all on your own, and it only takes the strength of the Lord, only the strength of the Lord for you to have victory. You should have things like that in your life. Have things like that in your mind. Have things like that from the Word of God that you draw from to give you strength and to give you direction and to give you encouragement. And um, ever since COVID, I think out of all things in the Bible, I have meditated on the coming of the Lord more than anything. And I think it's because I look at all of the trouble that is upon us. And really, times are bad, but they're not really hard for most of us. And I hope it doesn't get that way. It might. They're predicting a very bad winter. But when I look at the world all around me and see all the signs around me, that is the number one thing I think I have been meditating upon for the last two and a half years. It is the coming of the Lord because I want him to return so bad. And I feel like, just as it were, the Holy Spirit has been burdening my heart. It's burdening all of our hearts that we desire for the Lord to return very soon. It's a commandment of us to want him to come back, to desire him to come back, to hasten his soon return. And I think, really, that's what will speed up the Lord when we desire it, to want him to come back. Praise God. This passage that we read here in 2 Peter chapter 3, if you want to know a big summary of all the things that the Old Testament prophets saw, that Jesus spoke of, that Paul spoke of, that John saw in Revelation, 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 10 through 13 sum it all up. That the day of the Lord is coming, there's going to be great judgment by fire. But don't worry about it. For all those who are ready for his return, you've got a new heaven and a new earth to look forward to. And in summary, I want to try to capture that for you here tonight. The Bible does say in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 4, the generations go and they come. Generations come and they go, but the earth remains forever. The earth remains forever. 
I would like to preface my message tonight that I do not believe that this entire earth is going to be obliterated, that it's going to be annihilated, and literally a whole new earth is going to show up by God. You know, I believe, as it were, in the days of Noah, as the entire world was covered with water, and then that water subsided, and then a new earth came, that is exactly what is going to happen. In short, this entire world will burn. It will burn with a fire, a fire that you and I have never seen before, a fire that no man can understand. And through that fire, God is going to purge the world just like he purged the world in the time of Noah with a flood. You think about that. In the time of Noah, the Bible says that it never rained. They didn't have thunderstorms. They didn't have lightning storms. But it says in Genesis, it never rained, but out of the ground a mist came up and watered the entire face of the earth. You think about that. Everybody had a green lawn back then. How nice that would have been. You never had to water your lawn. And uh, my yard's about gone. It's been kind of a dry fall. Maybe some of you have been keeping up with your lawn, got that nice green lawn. Oh, I envy you. God bless you. But uh, in the time of Noah, there was none of that. There was just a mist that came up and watered the entire ground. The Lord came to him and said, one day this entire world is going to be flooded because of man's wickedness, and I've seen it. I am ready to destroy the entire earth, but I'm going to make a covenant with you that if you will prepare an ark for yourself, your wife, your sons, and their wives, I will save you through it all. And Noah, being warned of God of things that he had never seen before, began to build an ark. Nobody built boats back then. Nobody cared about storms or anything like that because there was no rain. But he preached and taught to the people that one day everything you see is going to be under water. I'm sure everybody laughed. How can that happen? That's never happened. Where is this water you are talking about? Well, the day came, the ark door shut, and then all of a sudden, rain started coming out of the sky. The Bible says that the windows of heaven opened up and water came down. It also says that the fountains of the great deep began to break open and water started gushing out of the ground. So you had great waters coming from the skies and great waters coming up from the ground. Nobody had ever seen that happen. It was something that had never been heard of. But just like God spoke and just like Noah believed, this entire world was flooded. You and I are in the same situation. Only God has not made a covenant with just one family, but he has made a covenant with one church. And ever since Bible prophecy began, the prophets foresaw it that in the last days, at the end of time, before Messiah comes and sets up his kingdom and rules forever, the world is not going to be destroyed by water, but it will be destroyed by something else, and that is a fire. It is what is going to destroy this world. Enoch foresaw it, prophesied about it. Isaiah prophesied about it. Amos prophesied about it. Zephaniah, Malachi, New Testament apostles prophesied about it. They all foresaw it. That in the latter days, the world is not going to be destroyed by water because of God's promise. But the world is going to be destroyed through fire. A fire that we have never seen before. I've read a lot of old prophecy books. A lot of prophecy teachers believe that volcanoes, the lava, would flood the earth. That could be possible. 
There could be volcanic activity appear all over the world. But I just would like to believe that there is fire even up in the atmosphere that science has even yet to discover. And there's fire that exists all around us that we have never seen. That at the word of the Lord, that fire is going to be released upon this earth. That's how I believe it's going to happen. Book of Revelation begins to give us insight into this sudden appearance of fire all throughout the world. It says in Revelation 8 that an angel threw his censer into the earth and a great fire appeared. Angels have control and can bring this fire suddenly upon the earth. It also says in Revelation chapter number 8, you can read it for yourself, that the first angel sounds its trumpet and a great fire, a great hail mingled with fire burns a third of the vegetation up upon the earth. A third of it. Mm. The second angel sounds its trumpet and it says that a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea and a third of the sea collapsed, dried up. The third angel sounds his trumpet, and another star, it says, it's called Wormwood, a great star. It's a burning ball of fire. It strikes the earth, and a third of the rivers dry up. You think about that. The vegetation, the soil, there's a lot of water that exists inside of the ground. It's not by sea or by river, but water underground that exists in the soil under the earth. A third of that melts away. A fire so powerful, the ash, the contaminants, destroys a third of the oceans, the seas, and the rivers. That is how powerful this fire will be in the end of days that even water cannot fight it. Mm. Revelation 9, it says the day is coming when spirits that are being held captive under the Euphrates River... They will be released, and these demonic spirits will bring out of their mouth a fire, a smoke, a brimstone that will devour and slay a third of mankind. It's not water, it's not a pestilence, but it's a fire that begins to destroy and to consume the earth. Revelation chapter 13, the witnesses of God, whoever they may be, it says that a fire comes out of their mouth and destroys anyone who would come against them before their time. Revelation chapter 16, the fourth angel who has a vial pours it out upon the earth, and it says men, all men, are scorched with a great heat. Revelation chapter 20 speaks about a scarlet-colored beast, which will be a world empire, and a harlot that is on top of that beast. It's a partnership. I believe, between Western and Eastern empires, but the day will come when they will not cleave, but they will turn on each other. And it says the scarlet beast burns the harlot with fire. Those are just a few verses, but there are many of them that I don't have time to bring you here tonight. But that is what is coming upon this earth, upon the seas, upon the land, and upon mankind. It is a great tormenting fire of judgment and it is going to be the end of the earth. We talk a lot about the Holy Ghost in this church, and one of the words, the terms, the ideas that we associate that with is the fire of the Holy Ghost. Why do we do that? I personally believe it's the fire of God sent before the great judging fire, 
It is a fire that comes from the Holy Ghost, not to destroy us, but to destroy the sin and the carnality out of our lives. And I have got hope for you tonight. If you have the fire of the Holy Ghost, it is the fire of God that's going to help you escape the fire of judgment someday. Can you say amen? For us, when we hear about this great fire and the end of the world, it should not make you think, oh no. It should not make you think, oh my. It should not make you think, help me. But rather, it should encourage you because it is the sign of the coming of the Lord when he will destroy his enemies and set up his kingdom. But for anybody who does not know the Lord, to anybody who has not their name added in the Lamb's book of life, it should bring a great godly fear upon you. It should bring a great conviction upon you. But that should not be where it stops, but rather it should create a great hope and a love for you because we are not in that time here and now. We are not in the tribulation. You know why? Because the grace of the Lord is still upon us and people are still repenting of their sins and they're still being saved. Praise the Lord. You can escape this fire, amen, by being saved in Jesus' name through the repenting of your sins, turning away from your sins and putting all your hope and all your faith and all your love in the Lord Jesus Christ and being baptized, immersed in his name and being filled with his spirit and walking with God until he comes. Amen. You have the hope to escape all of these things. You have the hope, amen, to avoid all of these things and live in eternal paradise with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord if you believe it and if you're ready for it, amen. This passage says, knowing this, knowing the great fire that's coming, knowing the great judgment that is going to happen upon the earth, we read, Peter says, what person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? If you know the judgment is coming, if you know the great fire and the torment and the turmoil and the tribulation is coming upon the earth, what type of person ought you to be? In other words, the type of people that are going to go through those things, that's the type of lifestyle that you want to avoid. That's the type of lifestyle you want to run from in order that you may escape those things. Jesus rebuked the hypocrites. And he rebuked the sinners in his earthly ministry. And he told them, you are of your father, the devil. Your father, the devil. And later on, Jesus revealed to us that hell, destruction, all of those things, it was never prepared for mankind, but it was prepared for the devil. But because of man's sin, man was taken from his original state and born and brought into another kingdom, and that is the kingdom of the devil. You see, God is not going to send anybody to hell, but rather he is going to let you follow what you follow here now in this life, following the same thing into eternity. And for those that live ungodly, for those who do not follow holiness, but follow the darkness of this world, you will follow it to where it ends up for all eternity and that is the judgment upon this world and in the judgment for all eternity in the lake of fire. That's why you and I 
live a holy life. That's why we stress it in Pentecost. To the thoughts in our mind, the feelings of our heart, the words we say, the things we do and do not do, the things we eat and do not eat, the things that we drink and do not drink, the things that we do and don't do, all of those things. We do these things to be a holy people because we want to spend eternity with a holy God. Amen. We follow godliness because we want to follow God for all eternity. We gave up on looking cool a long time ago. We gave up on peer pressure a long time ago. We gave up on being relevant with this world because this world is not our home. We're just as it passing through as it were like we used to sing in the old song. The Bible is still true and it's still strong and it's alive right here and right now. And I've read in Revelation 21 and verse 8 concerning the resurrection of the just, concerning heaven that one day will come. The Bible plainly says that there are certain people that are not welcome into this place. And it's people that are cowardly. It is people who are unbelieving. It is people who are abominable. It is people who are murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars. It's not talking about the people of the world. That's the ungodly. But it's talking about the people who are a part of the church. It doesn't matter how much you've obeyed and how much you have done to be saved If any of those things are still alive in your spirit, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars, all of them, if you practice those things, you are no better than somebody who does those things and doesn't believe. I'm going to tell you right now, as powerful as baptism is, sadly, there are people who have been baptized in Jesus' name that are not ready for the coming of the Lord. There are people who have been filled with the Spirit They are not ready for the coming of the Lord. And the reason why is they have not obeyed the full gospel lined out in the Bible. Salvation is not just in any one verse, but it is something that is covered throughout the Bible from cover to cover. And a part of salvation, if you want to make it, you are going to have to have holy conduct before God. And you're going to have to have godliness before the Lord. You're going to have to get a hold of your flesh. You're going to have to get a hold of your carnality and forsake it and let the Holy Ghost burn all of that out of you so you can escape the fire to come so that one day you may see with your own eyes, amen, the fire in the eyes of Messiah and the light that he brings, praise the Lord. (laughs) Holy conduct and godliness. The thought of the coming of the Lord should make you want to get your life right. It should make you want to put things away and put things aside and clean up your life and be holy and ready for the coming of the Lord. Praise God. The judgment of the Lord is real. It is true. I know some people don't preach it. There's preachers nowadays that have a great message. It's not the message of get your life right, but it's rather God just wants to bless you. And he wants to make you rich. And as it were, he wants you to gain the entire world. And at the very end, they say salvation is just a little simple prayer. And if you pray it, you'll be saved. My friends, that is a lie. This salvation is not simple. This salvation is not just as easy as this. Salvation is not all you've got to do. Oh, no. But salvation is taking up your cross and being willing to take it where he took it.
Salvation is leaving everything behind like the disciples left their nets to follow this Jesus. Salvation is giving everything that you have for this Jesus. It's loving your life not unto death. It is forsaking all to follow the Lord. It is taking on the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just as simple as this or as easy as this, but it is all of this and giving all for him and becoming all you can for the Lord, including knowing the fellowship of his sufferings. It's including going through pain like he went through. It's including going through sorrow like he went through. Don't think for one minute because of the struggles you're going through and the pain that you're going through that some strange or some unlucky moment happened in your life. But oh no, it is God's way of testing your love for him and testing your salvation that you have unto him. I tell you what, sometimes I wonder why am I going through what I'm going through and I realize when I walked away from this world and said I'm going to walk like Jesus, I have to go through what he went through and that is rejection like he went through. It's betrayal like he went through. You know, Jesus said in one place, I didn't come to bring peace, but I did come to bring a sword. I've came to divide man from man. I've came to divide women from women. I came to even divide some households. And whatever it takes, amen, I've got to be saved. Even if my own family doesn't follow it, even if some of my friends don't follow it, I'm not going to give up on Jesus because I want to be in eternal life with him, amen. Praise God. We're looking for a new heaven, church. We're looking for a new earth. It says in Revelation that the sun is going to fall away. The moon will pass away. The stars will be shaken. Everything up above us will vanish. And the great light that we are going to have in the end of days is going to be not from a sun or a moon, but it's going to radiate from Jesus himself. Praise God says that that new earth and that new heaven in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, that one day the Lord is going to return after the world is destroyed by fire. The Lord is going to make all things new on this earth. But it's not just this earth, it is heaven as well. You see, what's going to happen is right now heaven is separated from the earth. Jesus did preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but he didn't say the kingdom of heaven is here. He said the kingdom is available for you and it's inside of you, but really heaven is there, up there. It's the place that God is preparing for us. It is the place that Jesus is making ready for the end of days for his eternal kingdom. Praise the Lord. It says in Revelation that that new heaven comes down upon the earth and it's there for all time. That new heaven is also known as the new Jerusalem, the new city of peace. It is so interesting. You look at Jerusalem, the Jerusalem that we know here and now. It's one of the oldest cities, the oldest parts of civilization as far as mankind is concerned. One of the oldest cities, a very long history And as far as we know, this city has been completely obliterated, destroyed twice, besieged 23 times, attacked 52 times, captured and recaptured 44 times. But Jesus said, I'm going to make it all new, permanently new. 
It's one of the beautiful things about heaven, this new heaven and new earth that is coming. Nothing's ever going to get old, but it will always feel so new. For all eternity, everything will be brand new, freshly made. Nothing will be old. Nothing will ever vanish away, but it will be eternal. Everything will be made new. In this new heaven and this new earth that you and I are hastening, that you and I are longing to see, that you and I are longing to get to, we don't know all the details about it. But one thing we do know is there are no more tears in this place. Mm. For those of you that have been crying a lot, those of you that have had a lot of things to weep about, you're never going to weep again in this new heaven and new earth that you and I are hastening for. There's no more bad days. There's no more problems. Nothing will ever break your heart again. That in itself makes me want to get there as soon as I can, praise God. There is no more death up there. You think about that, never a funeral ever again. Never a visitation ever again. Never a graveside ever again. Nobody will die in the new heaven and the new earth. There's no more sorrow. There's no more crying. I like this one. There is no more pain. Praise God. There's never going to again be somebody with a migraine headache. There's never again going to be anybody that says, oh, my back hurts. Never anybody again will anybody have any knee pain or gout or arthritis or anything like that. Pain completely vanishes. It says it, and I'm not making this up. This is Revelation 21. It says all of the former things are going to pass away. All of the pain is going to burn in that fire. All of the sorrow is going to burn in that fire. All of the death, it's going to burn in that fire. God is going to judge it. And the form of things that happen after man's sin, they're all gone. And the Lord makes it all new. It says in Revelation 21 that the fountain of the water of life is open for him freely to drink. Anybody who thirsts. That really doesn't mean a lot for us here in America Right now, we've got convenient water fountains. The women's restroom water fountain is better than the guy's fountain, just so you know. I've tasted all of them. I have. (laughs) But uh, for somebody right now, maybe a third world country that doesn't have access to water, who reads that, oh, (laughs) it means so much to them, they will never thirst. They will never hunger. For those of you that have to dwell in an unsafe environment, for those of you that have to dwell among the ungodly, maybe you live with them, maybe you work with them, maybe they're involved in your life, understand this, that in heaven, there are certain things that are never allowed there in the mansions that we will live in. There will be nobody there that defiles. No abomination will be welcomed. Anybody who is not written in the Lamb's book of life will not be allowed to enter but only those who love righteousness and practice godliness and holiness. You're never going to have to worry about your neighbor. You're never going to have to worry about a coworker. You're never going to worry about danger anywhere at any time. It will be perfect safety and perfect peace. That is why we want it to come quickly. Amen. The musicians would come quickly. Amen. Praise God. New Jerusalem, 
prophets of old longed to see it. Even Abraham longed to see it. Old Testament, they knew it through the Holy Ghost that God had a great city up there that was perfect, without sin, without ungodliness, but only the holy are allowed there. It says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham waited for that holy city. Being there in the Holy Land, he probably got a glimpse of it through the Spirit as he was near Jerusalem talking to Melchizedek. He wanted to see it. He longed for it. He knew it, and we feel it. A city where there is no more death. A city where there is no more sorrow. There's no more crying. There's no more problems. But you are one-on-one with God for eternity. That's the city, and that is our hope. And if you long for that hope, I invite you to stand with me tonight. Praise God. When I was a little boy, I was, I think I was 10 years old the first time I was left home alone. I always had babysitters, but when I was about 10, I think mom and dad said, all right, we can leave the house and Justin can be here all by himself. We trust that he won't burn this house down. And... It was around Christmas time, holiday time, and all the family was over at our house the night before, and there was a big stack of pizza boxes. I remember Dad telling me, "Just we're going to go out and go shopping. I wanted to stay home and play video games. He said, you can do that, but I don't want you to be lazy all day. I want you to do some work. I want you to do this and this and this. Oh, yeah, take those pizza boxes down to the trash. And I said, yes, sir, I'll do it. The house is in good hands. Well, after Mom and Dad and everybody left... I looked at those pizza boxes and I knew you should probably get the work done before you play first. So I took those pizza boxes and there was still some hot coals in the fire. And uh, I thought I should put the pizza boxes in there. Why not? And I put those pizza boxes in there to burn them, to try to have my own fire. And I watched as flames shot out of that fire and were coming nearly up to the ceiling. And I remember going and getting a wet towel and trying to be, you know, try to put it out. And I'm praying to God, Jesus, help me not burn this house down. And uh, after it was all said and done, there was not a mark on the ceiling. My family didn't even know about it until 20 years later, praise the Lord. (laughs) But uh, I remember as a little boy, you know, it would just be me, mom, and my siblings in the house. How much I missed dad whenever he would go out and preach. I missed my dad. As a little boy, I couldn't wait for dad to get home, but as I got older, it was like, stay out as long as you can so I can feel free, can feel free. And I believe our Heavenly Father is wondering that about us right now. Are you enjoying your freedom all on your own? Are you ready for your Father to come and get you? Are you hastening His coming? Are you enjoying your freedom, being as it were able to do things all on your own? understand this even though he's up there his eye is still here and his spirit is still here and it's all knowing are you enjoying the trouble you're getting into are you enjoying your sin getting into or is it I have cleaned up my life and I'm ready for the Lord to come back at any moment I want him to come back I miss my dad I don't like feeling alone God wants you to want him to come back It's like, remember when you were a kid, maybe your mom or dad were out traveling and they called you on the phone. They said, I'll be home in two days. And you're like, can you make it today? Can you make it today? Can you make it today? I miss you. That's how God wants it to be. Lord, I just miss you. I want you, Jesus. I want you to come back. 
I'm sick of feeling all alone. It's so hard down here all by myself. I want to be with you. I don't like it here in this world. I can't get comfortable in this world. I don't like this present age. It's going to pass away. I don't want to be a sinner. I don't want to do sinful things, Lord. I want to be with you in that holy city. That is where I long to be. That is the ultimate expression of love that you can give to Jesus if you will hasten his coming, if you will desire his coming, if you will miss him so much that you want him to come back right now because you miss him. If there's anybody in here that just wants to pour out your love on the Lord and just say, Lord, I miss you so much. I long to see you. I invite you to join us down here at altar tonight for this prayer time. To pour out your love to him and say, Lord, I want you to come back so bad. I hasten it, Lord. I long to see it. I long to be a part of it. I want to be in that holy city someday. I want to escape the fires of judgment. I've come, Lord, to examine my life. I've come, Lord, to be ready. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I want to be ready. I long to see it. I long to be a part of it. Come on, when's the last time you prayed, Lord, come quickly? Oh, just come so quickly, Lord. I'm tired of the world. I'm tired of it, Lord. I'm tired of the death. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the sorrow. That's why I got saved to begin with, Lord. It wasn't just to feel good. It wasn't just, Lord, to just have a temporary spiritual comfort, Lord, but it was to spend eternity with you. That's what I did it for. I long for eternity. I long for eternity. Hallelujah. I long for your return. Hallelujah. Come, Lord, quickly. Come, Lord, quickly. Come on, somebody. It's time for you. Amen. You've been under a serious season of temptation. If you'll start thinking about the coming of the Lord, that temptation, amen, it'll stop. You'll start resisting the enemy when you think about the trouble that's about to befall this world. Hallelujah. Get me out of trouble, Lord. Get me out of temptation. Let me get back to, Lord, living a godly life, a holy life. That's the life you're wanting to bring to heaven. That's the lifestyle you want to have with you for all eternity. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hasten is coming. Hasten is coming. Come, Lord, quickly. Come, Lord, quickly. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.